From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, is Russia's withdrawal of troops from Kiev a sign of retreat or that intensified bombing is coming? We believe that this is a repositioning, not a real withdrawal, and that we all should be prepared to watch for a major offensive against other areas of Ukraine. Well, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby earlier today. We'll get a quick update on Ukraine with Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin in just a moment. And... The White House is desperately spinning to call this budget centrist, but there's nothing remotely moderate about what's in it. That was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell commenting on President Biden's $5.8 trillion budget. We'll talk budget with Virginia Congressman Bob Good, who was one of the 223 members of Congress FRC Action recognized this morning here at FRC for their 100 percent voting record on issues of faith, family and freedom. Bob joins us a little bit later. And it's official. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the state's parental rights and education bill into law. We will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. We'll talk with the bill's author, Florida State Representative Joe Harding, later here on Washington Watch. A change in the Biden administration's immigration policy could bring another one million illegal immigrants across the border in just a six-week period of time. Oklahoma Senator James Langford is sounding the alarm, and he joins us later here on Washington Watch. And emboldened by the success of pushing Justice Stephen Breyer to retire from the Supreme Court, allowing President Biden to nominate an extreme left-leaning jurist, is the left now aiming to take out Justice Clarence Thomas? We'll talk with Ken Blackwell about calls for Justice Thomas to resign. And speaking of the left, what's behind YouTube censoring a GOP gubernatorial candidate forum in Pennsylvania? Is this an indication that more big tech censorship is on the way as we head into this fall's election? Michael Greer, president of the Pennsylvania Family Institute that hosted the forum, joins me a little later here on Washington Watch. Got a lot of ground to cover today. If you miss anything, you can find it all later at TonyPerkins.com. Share that with your friends as well so that they can take advantage of Washington Watch. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Jesus made this pretty simple for us over in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, he said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Bottom line, be a person of your word. To join us in our two-year Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. By the way, for those of you who responded to my request for assistance yesterday in finding out how you view or listen to Washington Watch, thank you. If you did not, I could still use your help. We need to know where to place our efforts and energy in promoting Washington Watch. So let me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. Simply text the word poll, that's P-O-L-L, to 67742. That's 67742, and we'll send you a list of ways that you can tune in. And if you do that, I'll be extremely grateful. That'll be a big help. Again, text the word poll to 67742. Russia announced earlier today that it was going to reduce military activity in hopes of laying the groundwork for a peace deal with Ukraine. 
But U.S. officials have made it clear that the focus should be on what Russia does more than what Russia says, noting that the movement of a small number of Russian troops from Kyiv so far appears not to be a retreat or withdrawal, but rather a repositioning. Here with me to talk about this is FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, thanks so much for joining us again today. Glad to be with you, Tony. All right. What are we to make of Russia's announcement this morning that they're disengaging some of their troops and moving them away from Kiev and some of the other major cities? To begin with, you can't believe anything that uh, the Russian propaganda machine says. Uh, and Putin right now is fighting for his life. So I think you're seeing a lot of propaganda come out. And I think John Kirby was absolutely right. Uh, we see repositioning, but we have seen no indications of a withdrawal or a movement of forces out of uh, the western part of Ukraine. Could this general be uh, withdrawing of the troops to prepare for greater bombardment or other field activity? Tony, I don't think there's any question that it could be just that. And uh, look, the the Russians have dug in now up in the in the western part of the country, up around Kiev. They have dug in now into defensive positions. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're winning. It tells you the, the Ukrainians are winning. It tells you that the Russians are, are, are really getting kicked around pretty bad and that uh, they're in trouble. So who knows exactly what Putin's plans are, but I do not believe that Putin is ready to surrender. I don't believe that Putin is ready to uh, acknowledge that he has been defeated by this what we'll say is a ragtag military that's outgunned and outnumbered by far. I don't think Putin's ready to do that yet. So I'm very suspicious of any notion that he is uh, he's going to uh, stop the bombing, stop targeting the civilians and, and the uh, civilian infrastructure. I, I'm very skeptical of that because right now he's fighting for his life. He cannot walk away from this fight at this point, having been beaten so badly and still maintain his power in Russia. Now, General, over your 36-year career of the military, you've dealt with uh, dictators and tyrants. What would allow Vladimir Putin to disengage and, in his mind, save face at this point? Yeah, that's a good question, Tony, and I'm, I'm afraid I, I can't answer that. Uh, no, Nobody understands the mind of Vladimir Putin. I, I would say that if uh, if the Ukraine was willing to give him a land bridge uh, down through the Donbass region, all the way down into Crimea from the Russian border, uh, he might be willing to settle for that. But I think that uh, President Zelensky has made it very clear he is not going to trade uh, land for for peace. And uh, and and as I have said on a couple of programs recently, if you want to see how that ends, look at Israel. Right. They've done that, and it has never worked out the way it was supposed to. You, you cannot appease uh, individuals like this. You're absolutely right. General, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for the update today. Thank you. Well, yesterday, President Biden announced his budget blueprint for fiscal year 2023, the first step in a lengthy budget process that comes just weeks after Congress passed the omnibus spending bill for the rest of 2022. And aside from coming in at a whopping $5.8 trillion, which, by the way, is the second largest budget request in history, the 
largest, coming actually last year from President Biden at $6 trillion. This proposal, again, scraps the Hyde Amendment. That is the provision that keeps you from being forced to pay for abortion and other things. So the question is, what can we draw from the president's proposal? Yesterday, he said that uh, your budget shows your values. So what does this tell us about the values of this administration? Well, stepping off the House floor right now to speak with us is Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus, the Education Labor Committee, and he is on the Budget Committee. He is also one of the True Blue recipients who was here at the Family Research Council earlier this morning. Uh, Congressman Good, welcome back to the program. Hello, Tony. Great to be with you. Thank you for letting me uh, visit with you for a few moments here. Absolutely. And by the way, congratulations on being recognized by FRC Action as uh, one of the True Blue Award recipients for your 100 well, percent uh, voting record. Very thankful to have your support and partnership uh, fighting alongside the Family Research Council and, and appreciate that little bit of recognition this morning. It's an honor to, to be part of your team. So, Congressman, what are your thoughts on the president's proposed $5.8 trillion budget? I just came from a budget hearing where we were uh, uh, questioning uh, Shalanda Young, the director of office management budget. I asked her if her title should be changed to the, uh, the director of mismanagement and excessive spending because she's certainly not managing the budget. This proposal is unbelievable, Tony. If you compare apples to apples, meaning if you take out the COVID-impacted fiscal years 21-22, and you just compare fiscal 20 to fiscal 23, uh, this is a 30% increase, going from $4.4 trillion to $5.8 trillion. And I asked Director Young, is this administration incompetent economically and fiscally and does not understand what they're doing to the country, or are they – is it worse than that? Do they know what they're doing and they don't care and they're doing it on purpose? Uh, it's unbelievable what they're doing to take our – debt from 30 trillion to 45 trillion, 46 trillion over these next 10 years. They're admitting they're going to do that even in their projections. Uh, the only thing they're doing raising uh, faster than raising taxes is raising spending and it really is egregious what they're doing, Tony. Uh, it, it is. We're going to reconnect with you, uh, Congressman Good. Uh, we got a kind of bad connection on this end. I, I want to play another clip of uh, Senator McConnell uh, talking about this uh, budget. Uh, clip number two, please. The past year has taught us how painful Washington Democrat policies can be for hardworking Americans. The administration needs to stop trying to dig this hole any deeper. I mean, to, to, to Congressman Good's point, we've got inflation and their solution to that, spend more government money. How in the world is that going to solve our problem? It's only, only going to make it worse. And the fact is, he was pointing out, this is a 30 percent increase. What this administration is doing. Do we do we have the congressman back? Uh, congressman Good, you with us? Tony, I'm here. Yes. Good. So I want to go back to your point there about this is a 30 percent increase. What this administration has done has taken the budgets from the the coronavirus budgets where we had the uh, the emergency spending. They've made that a baseline budget. They've just acted like that's normal spending. And so we now have this huge increase in the budget that they're proposing is just normal going forward. Yes, what they're doing is patting themselves on the back because just because we're not spending $8 trillion in the name of COVID like we did the last two years, they're acting like they've cut the budget or cut the deficit. But actually what they're doing is increasing it to record levels if you factor out the two COVID-impacted years. 
So what would you make of uh, yesterday as he introduced this budget? He was criticizing the previous administration being for being fiscally reckless. Uh, this president is setting new lows in terms of the fiscal management of our country. And, of course, everything is blaming the previous administration, but there's not one American who's watching what's happening today and doesn't recognize that on every issue, uh, every every measurement of performance, this president is failing the country, whether it's the rising crime, the rapidly rising prices, the, the crisis at the border, our, our, our standing on the national stage or the world stage, I should say, and what we're doing to Americans uh, from a fiscal standpoint, from an inflation standpoint, and the way that we're going to Tony, – Tony, they're going to raise taxes by some 66 percent – or excuse me, 80 percent increase in taxes over these next 10 years on Americans. The only thing they're increasing faster than the spending increase of 66 percent is 80 percent increase in taxes. And it'll be on every American because they're allowing the Trump tax cuts to expire so they might say, oh, we're not raising taxes, but what they are doing is letting those tax cuts from President Trump expire. Uh, Congressman, we're out of time, but always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for stepping off the House floor to talk with us this afternoon. And again, congratulations on being recognized as a true blue member of Congress. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. All right. Uh, Bob Good of Virginia. Uh, it didn't get into the, the where this money is going. These increases, for instance, eliminating the Hyde Amendment, that means you will be forced to fund abortions. This is reflective of their priorities and record spending to promote LGBTQ around the world. Uh, They're bragging about it. That's their priorities. Well, coming up next, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a parental rights bill in education. The author of the bill joins us next. Stay tuned. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. For those of you who responded to my request yesterday for assistance, thank you. If you did not, I can still use your help. We need to know where to put our efforts and energy in promoting Washington Watch. So if you wouldn't mind letting me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch, that would be extremely helpful to us. Simply text the word poll to 67742. That's 67742. And I'll send you a list of the ways you can tune in. If you do that, we'll be extremely grateful because it'll help us a lot. Again, text the word poll to 67742. Yesterday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a parental rights bill in education that prohibits instruction about sexuality and transgenderism to children in kindergarten through the third grade. We will continue to recognize that in the state of Florida, Parents have a fundamental role in the education, health care, and well-being of their children. We will not move from that. I don't care what corporate media outlets say. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Here I stand. I'm not backing down. Amazing how the left has just gone crazy because a bill was signed into law that simply says you can't indoctrinate our children, at least not through the third grade. Well, joining me now to talk about this is the author and the chief sponsor of the bill, Florida State Representative Joe Harding. Joe, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back on. It's an honor. And uh, by the way, congratulations on uh, on seeing this through. And uh, I know you've been taking a lot of fire, as so so has the uh, the governor. But let me just ask you a, a, a question here real quick. What does this tell us about the left when they have just gone berserk about a bill? It doesn't say you can't teach kids that transgenderism is not good. You can't teach them that gay is, is not out there. You just you can't teach them any of that stuff. You leave it for the parents. Yeah, well, what it tells you is that they right now, their intent, is not even necessarily political wins. I mean, there's been polling that's shown that the majority of Democrat primary voters actually agree with this bill. So the way the left has doubled down is even more alarming because I, I believe they are willing to die on this hill and they are this um, dug in on indoctrinating our children. And I really think the part about the bill that they are the most concerned about is we have a, a part of the bill that says that the school district, and this would apply at any age, 
cannot make a critical decision for the student that would have a physical or mental well-being impact on that student without the parent's involvement or the parent's consent. And I think that that is really hard for them to sell to the political to the to the public. So they're focusing on this K through three part, but they want to be able to make decisions and be the parents uh, for our children instead of us as the parents. You're, you're making absolutely decisions right. For they, our children. they want to cut the parents out. Um, That's right. Because they want to be able to lead the children down this path. But I, I have to say uh, that I'm sure you're encouraged by the support that you've received in this legislation, including the support of your governor. I mean, there's been an outpouring nationwide of parents saying, go get them. This is what we need. We have seen not only a a national support for our bill. I've had folks from Hawaii. Hawaii was one of the last lockdown states, one of the worst states with lockdowns in our schools. We've had several parents from Hawaii reach out, even donate to my campaign. It's really uh, unbelievable. Our governor, uh, he is a lion. And on these conservative issues, we've never had a governor in any state that's this bold and this fearless. And so I couldn't, I I cannot imagine serving the legislator in any other time, but with having Governor DeSantis as our governor, it's really an amazing honor to have that. So, Representative Hardy, let me ask you this question. You've uh, you've been encouraged by the support that's come from across the country of parents saying, you know what, enough is enough. But anything in this process surprise you as you introduce this bill, which, quite frankly, is just a common sense bill? Anything surprise you in this process? I, I am continued to be surprised how much the Democrat Party has doubled down in their in their opposition to being able to indoctrinate our children. I, I find that continues to shock me about how outspoken they are on that issue. I think the other thing that shocked me is how Disney, uh, what their role in this has been. You know, Disney um, stayed quiet. They never lobbied against this bill. They never lobbied for the bill. They were completely quiet during the whole process. And all of a sudden, the woke mob, frankly, we found out who actually controls Disney, which is woke left mob that's based out of California, is in line more California's um, culture than, than Florida's. And they are truly the ones that run, that run Disney. And I have been shocked at how Disney has continued to double down. And that's why today I, I returned any contributions I had from Disney, because frankly, if they're going to be um, public enemy number one for our parents, and in my opinion, that's who they are right now. But I don't want any part of it. And I, regardless of what that means in Florida politics, I I don't need it. Yeah, I mean Disney's response I mean, can only be described as, as goofy. Uh, first day, we're uh, you know not for promoting it, uh, or for not against the law. Then they come out against it. Um, is this a tipping point, uh, Joe, with parents? conservatives who have had enough of this. Is this a tipping point? It has to be. It has to be because I I can tell you just last night, I was speaking at an event in in a very rural part of Florida, and a parent came up and told me about a situation that happened with their student in a very, what I would say, a very red part of Florida. And if we not make this the last stand as parents, and, you know, the governor said this is the year of the parent in Florida, and if we do not continue that effort, I believe it's going. It, it, we have gone past the point of return when the left has worked so hard to indoctrinate our kids, and then they make 
Disney, which is in every home in America and has influence almost in every home in America, uh, part of their arm of influence, then if we do not make this the last stand and do not make this a turning point, I believe it could be too late to recover uh, from it. Well, thank you, State Representative Joe Harding, for doing your part. Your courage and boldness uh, is inspiring to many. And uh, thanks again for joining us today here on Washington Watch. Thanks for having me on. All right, coming up next, inflation and the situation in Ukraine may be drowning out the other issues that the Biden administration is mishandling, but they haven't gone away. In fact, they may be getting worse, particularly at the southern border. Oklahoma Senator James Langford will join me to talk about a policy change that could lead to a million illegal immigrants crossing the border within just a six-week period of time. That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch still to come. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The Biden administration is reportedly considering changes to Title 42 of Public Health Authority that the Department of Homeland Security has relied on during the coronavirus pandemic to expel migrants at the southern border. And many, including my next guest, says revoking the current emergency order under Title 42 could create a massive unintended consequence at the southern border, making the situation even worse. Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. He serves on five Senate committees, including the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, where he is the lead Republican on the Subcommittee on Government Operations and Border Management. Senator Langford, welcome back to the program. Tony, well, it's great to be able to see you again. 
And by the way, congratulations on being recognized by FRC Action earlier this morning as a recipient of this year's True Blue Award, an honor given to members of Congress who scored a perfect 100 percent on FRC Action's 2021 vote scorecard. So congratulations. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. Thanks for standing by so many good people that are here. Well, we're encouraged because more seem to be coming with each election. That's not a story that the media likes to tell. But uh, those values voters, those Christians who are engaged across the country in elections are sending some good men and women to Congress. Keep doing it, and pretty soon they may be in the majority. So let's talk about uh, Title 42. What is it? What's coming down the pike if this is uh, set aside? So Title 42 is is being recognized as an immigration policy. It's not really an immigration policy. It's a recognition of the pandemic that's happened. In March of 2020, President Trump uh, invoked what's called Title 42 out of the uh, HHS, it's Health and Human Services, under the Surgeon General. And it basically says, because of the pandemic, we're going to turn people around at the border. If you're coming across, we're, we're not going to recognize you. We're not going to allow you to be able to go through the process. And they turned them around starting in March of 2020. Uh, the Biden team, surprisingly enough, kept half of it. They kept it for single adults that were coming across. But for family units, they said, we're not going to recognize that. So last year, 900,000 people they released into the country. But 1.1 million people, they turned around under Title 42. What the Biden team now is apparently saying, and they won't give the exact details on it, but they're apparently saying soon, it could even be in the next 24 hours, they're going to turn Title 42 off and say the pandemic is over and we're going to allow everyone to cross the border, single adults and family units, whoever gets to the border, we're going to release them into the country. When they release them into the country, even though they're crossing illegally, they're going to give them a piece of paper and says, show up at a court six years from now in the future. And I wish I was making that date up. It's not. It's six years from now in the future, show up for your first court hearing. And the Biden administration believes when they do this, they're going to have up to a million people that are going to cross the border illegally in the first six weeks of them turning this Title 42 authority off. So let me get this straight. The Biden administration is going to declare that on the border, the pandemic is over. It's still applicable to American citizens who fly on airplanes in this country. We have to wear masks. Uh, We're still told that we have to social distance and all that nonsense. But on our border, this provision that is at least stemmed somewhat of the tide, even though we're at a 20-year record in terms of those coming across the border, I mean, this is only going to make matters worse. It is. And, Tony, it's even worse than that. Literally, the Biden administration this month, as of April the 1st, is is saying if you haven't gotten a vaccination and you're in the military, we're going to force you into retirement or push you out of the military. So they're going to fire you because the pandemic is so important that in the military, you've got to be able to have the shot. But we're going to if you're here illegally, we're going to allow you to be able to cross the border, not only not have a vaccination, not wear a mask, but declare the pandemic over at the border but full raging force if you're in the military. It's completely nonsensical uh, in their process on this, and it is going to bring another million people illegally across the border. What we've seen so far just in the 14 months of the Biden administration, we've seen more people illegally cross the border in the 14 months of the Biden administration than we saw all four years under the Trump administration. So there will be those that come to the border. They're giving they're given permission to come in. They're said they're given a court date six years down the road. Of course, we know that not many of those show up for that court date. But this allowance will also, will it not, bring in more illegal immigrants? It'll be just open up the flow because it'll be those that come across 
through the process and those that go around the process. Am I correct? That's correct. So every single one of these individuals that are crossing are all crossing illegally. So let me make that clear. They're, they're, they're not given legal status or given a piece of paper and said, show up for your court hearing because they did cross illegally. So every one of them illegally crossed. But what's happening is the cartels right now who do secure the southern border, the Border Patrol will tell you the border is secure. It's just secure on the south side. Every one of these individuals crossing the border illegally has paid between $4,000 and $30,000 to the cartels to traffic them across the border. And what the cartels are doing is they're sending family units across the border in one area. They'll put up a drone to be able to watch the movement of the Border Patrol. And as the Border Patrol moves to be able to interdict that family units, then the cartels will then run folks that are criminal aliens with backgrounds in criminal history or those individuals carrying drugs or contraband a couple of miles down the river or a couple of miles down the desert to be able to run through another area. So they're trying to use these family units to be able to then move people illegally and move drugs in illegally, and we're seeing record numbers of those. So not only the number of people illegally crossing that we're interdicting, but what they're calling gotaways that we can right. see them over there and they're getting in, that number is also epic numbers. This is uh, taking back, taking us back to the catch and release. We just uh, we catch is. them and release them into the country. Uh, Senator, I want to thank you for raising the awareness on this. You've been uh, on the Senate floor speaking about it, and um, thank you that uh, you join us today here on Washington Watch. Uh, very quickly, as we're going out, uh, what can people do to be helpful on this? Obviously, pray, pay attention uh, to what's going on. Uh, talk to their members of Congress and to say, I do not want illegal numbers. I don't like chaos. I don't find Americans that dislike legal immigration. They just don't like illegal immigration, and they want to have All their right. borders secured and drugs to end. So right. contact your members of Congress and push on them. All right. Senator James Langford, thanks for being with us. Folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us again. If uh, you've not yet responded to our survey to find out how you listen to or watch Washington Watch, you can help us out. Simply text the word poll to 67742. That's 67742, the word poll, P-O-L-L. And let us know. We'll text you back with a, uh, a list of uh, various ways that you can tune in. Let us know how you tune in, and that will help us uh, direct our attention in the right way. So, again, that's 67742, the word poll. All right. Earlier today, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas to resign or face impeachment insisting that he needs to recuse himself from matters involving his wife. By that, she means recusing himself from cases related to the January 6th Capitol riot. riot. question is why? Well, because of text messages that his wife sent to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. She's not the only one. Uh, On Sunday, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota was starting the beat of that drum. Play clip number one, please. This is a textbook case for removing him, recusing him from these decisions. And I don't think all I hear is silence from the Supreme Court right now. And that better change in the coming week. Joining me now to talk about this is Ken Blackwell, Senior Fellow for Human Rights and Constitutional Governance here at the Family Research Council. He is also chairman of the Center for Election Integrity at the American First Policy Institute. Ken, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. For those who may not know the details, what can you tell us about these text messages that are drawing such a response from Democrats? <laughs> there are text messages that had nothing to do with January the, the 6th. Uh, a woman who is a full citizen of the United States, uh, a caring and thinking woman, uh, actually talked about the integrity of the election something that many of us have been talking about uh, since the November election in 2020. But this is about having a chilling effect uh, on Clarence Thomas as a, as a justice. You know, back in the 90s, Tony, uh, Clarence, in his testimony before the Senate, uh, and Joe Biden chairing, basically said 
that the left was engaged in a high-tech lynching. They were attempting it. It failed. That's what they're doing now in 2022. They are trying to actually succeed in what they consider to be a high-tech lynching of a very thoughtful, originalist jurist or, or justice, Clarence Thomas. Uh, this, this, won't, this won't work. But what we have to be concerned about is that these guys who have, as their objective, doing away with our constitutional republic, they, they know that one of the pillars that that constitutional republic is built on is an independent judiciary. And they, in fact, are trying in a very radicalized way to do away with that independent judiciary. And they see Clarence Thomas as being the strongest element in that pillar. You know, I've known Jenny Thomas for, for years, uh, probably close to 20 years. And in all the, in the meetings I'm in with her, various conversations, I've, I've actually never had her mention her husband. Uh, so she didn't talk about it, first off. And, and you would think those on the left who, you know, they just about women being independent of their husbands. All of a sudden now, this conservative woman can't be independent from her husband. I, I have to look at the bigger picture here, Ken. With the, the dark money on the left, Arabella and those groups that uh, put money in basically to force Justice Breyer to retire so Joe Biden could nominate an extreme leftist to the court, is this their next step to try to, to take out uh, Justice Thomas so that uh, the president, President Biden, will have another nomination to make? Absolutely. One of the things that we've been able to stop is their effort to create a court packing situation where they expand the number of folks uh, on the Supreme Court and they pack it with judicial activists. We've been able to stop that. And this is the, their next move. This is their counter move. And, and, and look, in, I think it was 1804, Samuel Chase was impeached, uh, but the Senate failed uh, and refused uh, to oust him. They know Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, AOC, they know that they have a short window before they lose the majority. And so what they're trying to do is to drive a narrative that will have a chilling effect on Clarence Thomas and they're trying to do that through his wife, Jenny Thomas. It won't work. We're not going to let them do it. Uh, they, what they have to understand is that we, we understand as, as people, as citizens, that we're not going to let them convert us from free citizens to subjects by, in fact, doing away with the balancing of uh, our governance that the, a free and independent judiciary actually uh, helps us to establish and maintain. So, Ken Blackwell, how do you think this ends? Will this drumbeat continue, or will they just realize they're not getting any traction, and will they just move on to their next target? I think they'll move on, but you know what? Uh, the clock is ticking. They are, they're going to lose a record number of seats. I, I'm predicting that they're going to lose more than than 63 seats like they did 
in 2010, that they're going to lose more seats. Uh, there will be a, 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 a majority, a new majority. And I tell you, one of the things that we're going to be able to look at is the the criminal and unconstitutional actions by folks on their team, folks who are wearing their jersey. Right. Uh, and that's the sort of transparency that they don't want, uh, but they're going to get. Do you think the next, that brings up a really good question, uh, Ken Blackwell, do you think the next Republican majority will be more judicious in using their authority to uh, ferret out the corruption and those that misuse their authority that we were calling I, for I, in I, the past but didn't happen? I, I think so. And, and you know what the voters are saying uh, across the board? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And we're not going to be fooled. We're not going to stand for it. All right. Uh, Ken Blackwell, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. Ken Blackwell, find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. Well, it seems like the left continues to put a conspiracy nut label on anyone who doesn't describe the 2020 presidential election as anything less than perfect. And to say otherwise, on the platforms of big tech, even in brief, is inviting censorship. You know, that's not the way a republic works. We're able to talk about these big issues that we disagree over and come to a consensus. Well, we're seeing the latest episode in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Family Institute's gubernatorial candidate forum, which was held last Thursday evening, well, on Sunday, YouTube removed the recorded live stream video of the event, saying that it violates their misinformation policy. What was said during the event that triggered the content police at Google-owned YouTube? Well, joining me now to talk about this is Michael Greer, president of the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Michael, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on. All right. So uh, first, can you tell our viewers and listeners about the event that you held uh, last Thursday there in Pennsylvania? Sure. Well, we uh, we held it on the campus of Cairn University, which is uh, in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia. It was broadcast on a major radio station there in the Philadelphia area, WPHT, as well as carried on the PCN, the uh, Pennsylvania equivalent of C-SPAN. It was broadcast on there and live streamed uh, with Pennsylvania Family Institute and uh, over YouTube and Facebook and things. And we had seven of the nine uh, GOP gubernatorial candidates that participated in it. Uh, we went on for two hours. It was uh, I was moderating along with the radio show host from uh, from that radio station in Philadelphia, talk show radio host. We ended up asking the candidates a series of eleven questions on pertinent pertinent issues that are in front of Pennsylvanians. And uh, so, as we uh, uh, as we uh, asked those questions of the of the candidates, each one was given uh, a minute and a half, about seventy five seconds, to answer each question went through these series of questions. Uh, we got rave reviews about it for the people who were in the audience, people who sent us uh, texts and emails afterwards. And then, lo and behold, Sunday morning, YouTube says it violates their misinformation policy and was taken down. So any further description? What was it that uh, triggered their misinformation alarm? You know, uh, uh, first of all, it just came in an email, so there's no human being that actually talked to us. It just said, you know, sorry, uh, we're we're disappointed to inform you that they violated our misinformation policy. The only other thing it said was further information. It said uh, that YouTube. This is a paraphrase, Tony, but it was YouTube 
does not uh, allow any discussion of the 2020 U.S. presidential election that suggests there was fraud or wrongdoing or that the results are not as reported. Um, now, we didn't ask any questions specific about the 2020 uh, uh, presidential election. Neither None of the questions from the moderators dealt with that. We did ask a question. Rich Zioli, the talk show host, uh, he asked a question. He said, my listeners, you know, knowing I was going to co- be coming to this forum, asked me to ask a question about what you as governor would do uh, if you're elected, what you as governor would do to restore uh, integrity or re- restore voter confidence in the elections uh, with with mail-in ballots and with uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court injecting itself into the process. What can you do to uh, to restore confidence to the voters? That was the question. And then it's we had seven GOP candidates. They answered in the way that they thought was best, and I don't even recall the specifics of all the different answers, uh, but they they uh, they gave their answers, and whatever they might have said uh, is what YouTube may be suggesting to us is why they took it down. But we also discussed a range of other questions, Tony, including the University of Pennsylvania swimmer, Leah Thomas, uh, formerly William Thomas, who's been you know capturing right. records, NCAA records. talked about that issue. We talked about what's taught in schools. We talked about crime. So it may have been other things that YouTube flagged, but they don't tell us. And the appeals process, they didn't give us any further in- information or specifics of which candidate or which person in the forum said anything that was offensive. And ultimately, neither YouTube nor the Pennsylvania Family Institute in a forum like that should be the arbiters of what any of these candidates say. Right. It should be free-flowing, say what you want, and let the voters decide. Absolutely. I mean, this was you had seven of the nine. Is that correct? Seven of the nine uh, gubernatorial candidates that were there to talk about the issues. And look, there's no denying the fact that one of the issues that is at the forefront of the minds of Americans in almost every state, not just Pennsylvania, but every state is making sure that we have free and fair elections, that they know that their their vote is going to count and not be diluted in any form or fashion. So it's a legitimate topic. It's not it's not about going backwards. It's about going forwards and how exactly. it, I mean, it's a perfectly appropriate question to ask. But this is alarming, Michael, that YouTube is already censoring not a comment that someone made off the cuff, but probably the next leader of the state of Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah, it is absolutely alarming. And I've talked to a number of reporters, you know, some of whom who actually watch the forum and, and are kind of questioning the very same thing, like what possibly was said that, that would have triggered this. But what I've said to these reporters, we're still relatively early in the 2022 election process. I mean, we haven't even had the primary election here in Pennsylvania. Right. We've got many months to go. If, if big tech is going to put their finger on the scale already in this way and say these discussions are off limits and the people of Pennsylvania are not allowed to hear this, what are they going to do further down the pike when we get into the Republican versus Democrat in the general election uh, to sort of uh, tilt the scales on, on behalf of the people that they support or the ideologies that they support? Now, Michael, have you appealed the ruling from YouTube? Well, yeah, we did. Uh, you know, they, they, with the link that they sent us, the email that they sent included a link that said, if you want to appeal, uh, click this link. We clicked this, the uh, link, and it was a dead link. It went. It said, sorry, something went wrong. So then we went further into our YouTube channel and found the way to appeal. But then the appeal process, number one, it said, 
here's our policy, which is against misinformation, the same one that I just mentioned to you. Right. And then it said, it said, if you want to review your video to see what was wrong, click here. Now, I thought, oh, good, they're going to give us a clue as to what words or what, you know, let's seven minutes in or whatever. Here's the problem. It just had the video there. It was like you watch it for two hours and you discern, you figure <laughs> out what, what made us mad. There was no clarity whatsoever. And then, then finally, after you go to that, you click the next thing, and it has, has a little window where you have 800 characters to make your appeal. 800 characters, including spaces. So that's like, you know, a very short paragraph, basically, to try to say, here's the case that we're making as to why you shouldn't have taken the video down. And we have not heard back from them yet. Wow. Oh, oh, another wake-up call to the, uh, yeah. to the American public. Michael Greer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on the program today and for the great job you're doing there in Pennsylvania defending faith, family, and freedom. Well, thanks, Tony. It's great to partner with you, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Michael Greer. Pennsylvania Family Institute, uh, you can find out more. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and follow the links over. It, it is a warning, folks, uh, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, like this program, we use different formats, but we also have our own uh, website where we have the program stored. You're going to have to begin making that transition away from these big tech giants who want to censor our speech. It's going to be critical we change our habits so that we are not cut off from one another. All right, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, and they are encouraging. He says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, that's critical, when you've prepared and when you've taken your stand, no matter what, no matter what, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.